Pastor Xavier Reese and the simple truth message of the gospel. The proclamation of Acts is that Jesus had resurrected from the dead. How important it is that as believers we all uh, tell people two very simple truths about Jesus. First, that he came, he ascended back to the Father. He came the first time. He's at the right hand of the Father. And second, that he's coming again for his church and then for judgment. Very important. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. Well, Pastor Xavier, it's great to have you in the studio today to introduce a brand new series of messages and something you recently preached in your church. Yeah, we're going to be looking at the Book of Acts. The Book of Acts is an incredible book because it gives us the history of the church. It is the only historical book we have in the New Testament. And per se, we have the inception of the church from the day of Pentecost and God making that possible only through the outpouring of His Holy Spirit. The promise of the Father given in the Gospels, that by Jesus Christ, uh, John the Baptist spoke about it. And from that point on, you have the extension and the expansion of the church from going from Jerusalem to Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth through the missionary journeys. And it is the book of Acts that shows us how God uses normal people to reach the world. Um, Paul was a radical. His life was transformed. And on and on and on, we see this pattern all the way through. Never is there anything depended on to transform people's lives except for the gospel and the power of the Holy Spirit. And this is so necessary today because there's such compromise going on in the church today depending on sociology, psychology, and church methods through seeker-friendly churches, through the emergent church, and many other things. And people have turned the church into corporations and organizations rather than treating it as what it is. It is an organism living, and Jesus adds daily to the church those that are to be saved. And so we're excited. We pray that uh, the God ministers to you, that your heart would be open, and that you allow the Word of God to do for you what you cannot do for yourself. Drop us a line, email to Simple Truths Ministry, and we would love to hear from you. This is the only way we can tell if God is using it. God bless you. All right. Well, we have an email address for just such comments. It's simpletruths at ccpas.com. That's one word, simpletruths at ccpas.com. And of course, our street address is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And I'll have those again at the close of the program. But right now, we want to get right into our study. The book of Acts has been called the fifth gospel by some because it is a sequel to Luke's gospel. Uh, But more than that, It is the only New Testament book which records church history and therefore serves as a crucial document for understanding the link between the ministry of Jesus and his continuing ministry through the apostles. A treasure of vital supplementary information to fit and comprehend the epistles. Even though it was written 
to a man named Theophilus. God in his wisdom takes care of his, his word. He's the author of it. He knows the end from the beginning. Now, Acts was written to, not to be a comprehensive account of all that occurred. Can you imagine how thick the book of Acts would be? Yet, God, by the direction of his Holy Spirit, allowed Luke to take selective records, selective sermons, selective events and people and situations, and to compile the book of Acts as we have it for the purpose of giving us the history of the church. Can you imagine if you don't have the book of Acts, it would be Jesus saying, that's it, boom, and there's nothing. Then how do we fit everything in? This is the only book that really has no ending. The church history is still being written today. We're part of church history. We're still here. God is still saving. God is still working. It covers about 30 years of time from the ascension uh, of Jesus to the imprisonment of Paul that we'll see uh, at the very close of the book of Acts. And so what we want to do is look at the book of Acts in a broad overview to understand the priceless significance of this book. And so what I want to do is look at it from three perspectives. First, I want to look at the man who wrote Acts. Then second, we're going to look at the message of Acts. And we'll finish up with the meaning of Acts. And that'll give us a good understanding of it. Let's begin with the man who wrote Acts. The opening verse in Acts 1.1. The former account I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and to teach. The prologue identifies Luke as the author of the book of Acts. Not by name, but here he sets his purpose that he was to relate and connect the book of Acts with the former account of his gospel regarding all that Jesus began to do and to teach in this earthly ministry. And he connects it with the gospel in chapter 1 of the book of Luke, the gospel, verse 1 and 2. Luke had written the gospel to Theophilus again, providing accurate records by eyewitnesses and, and, and everything else. He witnessed, he, he interviewed Mary and, and many of the disciples, everything else, and he gives it there and account for him. Uh, Luke addresses Theophilus as the most excellent uh, uh, title in the Greek that refers to a, a government official, a high government official in Luke uh, 1.3. Um, so he wasn't just a, a plain individual. But also that Christ's ministry on earth had ended. Look at verse 2 here. Until the day in which he was taken up and he through the Holy Spirit had given commandments to the apostles whom he had chosen. So his earthly ministry had finished and he had been taken up, but now through the Holy Spirit given commandments to the apostles whom he had chosen. We see in the Gospels the 12, we see them still here. Minus one, Judas Iscariot. As we see, Matthias is chosen to take his place. Now, what's interesting is that the ending of the Gospel of Luke also bears witness of the same author when you look at the end and you tie it together here, indicating the continuation of this author in a second document. The link cannot be missed. In fact, Luke closes his gospel and he starts the book of Acts with the promise of the Father at the ascension of Jesus Christ. 
Luke's gospel says this in Luke 24, 50 and 51. Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. And he led them out as far as Bethany, and he lifted up his hands and blessed them. Now it came to pass while he blessed them that he was parted from them and carried up into heaven. That's how Luke finishes. Now, listen to Acts 1. Verse 4 through 11. And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father. There it is. Which he said, you have heard uh, from me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. He makes a distinction between water baptism and baptism of the Holy Spirit. We'll get into that as we move along. We're not going to get sidetracked, okay? But he makes a distinction again. He says, therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? And he said to them, it is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father has put in his own authority, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, all Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Now, when he had spoken these things, while they watched, here's the connection. He was taken up. And a cloud received him up out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly towards heaven, as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel and also said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will so come in like manner as you saw him go into heaven. The very end of Luke's gospel joins the beginning of the book of Acts. In fact, gives a little more information. And there's the connection with the same author. Again, Luke closes his gospel and starts Acts with the apostles returning to Jerusalem from the Mount of Olives. The same spot is given. Luke 24, 52 and 53 says, And they worshipped him as he ascended and returned to Jerusalem with great joy and were continually in the temple praising and blessing God. Amen. Now listen to Acts. Acts 1, 12. Then they returned to Jerusalem from the Mount of Olives which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey. And by the way, at first, Luke's writings were circulated as one work in two parts. It was later divided into two separate things, okay? Very important. Now, the possible relationship of Luke to Theophilus is, is an interesting one. And it is opinion, because we have very little in, in Scripture. But the opinion, I think, has some some value in terms of what we know about culture and some of the things we have. Um, Luke is believed to have been a slave of Theophilus. Theophilus means lover of God. Um, and it's believed that Luke was a slave. The commentator David J. Williams in his commentary points out that names ending in A.S. were common to slaves. This is Lucas. So that's a little evidence that way. Doesn't mean it's conclusive, but it certainly uh, goes along with the culture. So the possibility does exist that he was a slave. And Luke is believed to have been set free by Theophilus with his Roman citizenship. Whether Theophilus had become born again and set Luke free, we don't know. Whether Luke was the instrument to bring Theophilus to the Lord, maybe, and then he released him, we don't know. But we do know that 
high officials and wealthy people had their own doctors, their own poets, their own everything else. They were slaves. They sent them, and, 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 and they served them, the family and that. Now, if so, then Luke, therefore, had written the gospel and Acts to Theophilus, perhaps feeling indebted for this. But whatever the reason may be, he did write to Theophilus both his gospel and the book of Acts. And that's what's important. And he did it so that he would have an accurate, orderly record of all that happened from the beginning of the ministry of Jesus to the time he was taken up. And the prologue of Luke tells you that, and the prologue of Acts tells you that. Now, the partnership of Luke with Paul is, is, is very evident through the scriptures, as you know. Luke was addressed with affection by Paul. Luke, the beloved physicians in Colossians 4:14. 4, he was one who traveled with Paul all the time. He was a physician, the beloved physician. Luke was referred to as an equal with Paul by Paul himself. In Philemon, verse 24, because there's only one chapter, remember that epistle, to reconcile Onesimus, as the runaway slave, with Philemon, okay, one of the prison epistles. And there he calls him Luke, my fellow laborer, one who came alongside the servant ministry along with Paul, an equal. Uh, Luke was not his servant, though he did serve Paul. They were both servants of Christ. Luke was commanded by Paul for being the only one to remain with him faithfully at the end of his life when he was in prison ready to be beheaded. 2 Timothy 4.11 makes it very, very clear. Luke was the only one. Luke joined Paul, Silas, and Timothy at Troas in the second missionary journey, as you know, in Acts 16.10. We run into the pronoun we, he goes from the third person to the second, we. And it's very evident that Luke meets up with them after the vision of Macedonia. The man could be Luke. We don't know. But the we begins right there, and he joins them, and he's with them in the travels all the way through, and he has all the detail, and the accuracy is incredible. Um, Luke was with Paul when he returned to Jerusalem on the third missionary journey, as you know, in Acts 20. Verse 5, as they stood there at the steps of Antonio's fortress, and they almost killed him. And then, of course, he's a political scapegoat for two years with uh, uh, Felix, Festus, and Agrippa before he appealed to Caesar. Luke was with Paul when he sailed then from Rome in Acts 27 all the way to the end. That very meticulous journey that's logged, and um, people have done uh, studies on that log and that record, and it's found to be one of the most accurate and most detailed of all in terms of ports, names, people, nautical terms, everything else, that it's amazing. People used to mock the book of Acts. Now they're, they're, they're not mocking. Now they're embarrassed. Three times names, the name of Luke appears. Only in these, Colossians, in 2 Timothy, um, and Philemon. But he's all over the book of Acts. He was a man of science, as you know. He uses medical terms. Now, there have been studies done that they say that other writers have used medical terms without being physicians. And that's true. So we're not using the fact that he used medical terms to prove that he's a doctor. It's just to affirm that he's a doctor. That's all. He's called a beloved physician. Um, he uses the terms. It, it, it's very, very, very evident. And as a scientist, he was very observant. He had much detail. He has written two documents that consist 28 to 30% of the New Testament. That is incredible. The only Gentile author 
28 to 30% of the New Testament. We would be at great loss if we didn't have these books, particularly the book of Acts. Helen Keller gave some good advice, and remember, she was blind, deaf. She said this, keep your face to the sunshine and you cannot see the shadows. Well, likewise, you keep your eyes on Jesus and you will not have your eyes on yourself. Luke is in the backdrop. He's just doing what God has called him to do. You understand? How we need men and women of the word to share with others faithfully, as Luke did with Theophilus. Perhaps those who you've grown up with, those who you work with, those who you live close to, those who you run into at different times. Maybe you're at the market and God prompts you and you know God wants you to speak to somebody, but you don't. God wants you to do that, but you don't. Or I don't. Those are choices we make. And we know, because when we get home, oh, I, I knew it, I knew that I knew, and I didn't do it. Remember Isaiah 6, 8. says, also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then I said, that's Isaiah speaking, here I am. Send me. And as you know, the coal was taken from the altar by the cherubim and touched his lips, purified him, and sent him. He saw the Lord high and lifted up. How important it is to be joined in consistent fellowship and in service in the church with other men and women who are on fire for God, like Luke and Paul. And Peter, too. He was around different times. But the connection here is Luke and Paul. Those who are like-minded, do you hang out with them? Those who are striving to grow in the faith and to develop, uh, those who make themselves available, those who are in the trenches, very important. That doesn't mean we exalt ourselves over those who are not, but hopefully we provoke them that they want to be more involved with the Lord and His work. Because I tell you, if you're not in the trenches, then you're looking around as a critic. <laughs> but if you roll up your sleeves and you jump in, you won't be criticizing because you'll find out that, you know, it's like watching a boxing match or something, and you're getting all mad, and you're telling this guy what he should do. Well, get in the ring. <laughs> get in the ring. Let's see how you do. Very important. Proverbs 27, 17 says, As iron sharpens iron, so a man sharpens the countenance of his friends. We're to sharpen each other. See, when we come to church on Sunday, we come to serve. Not to be served. Romans 12.36 says, For I say through the grace given to me to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly as God has dealt to each one the measure of faith. For as we have many members in the body, but all members do not have the same function, so we, being many, are one body in Christ and individual members one of another, having then gifts different according to the grace that is given to us. All of us are different. We have different gifts, but all of us comprise an entire body. And I'm always amazed at what God has done and is doing and continues to do as God is sufficient for his church. When we had only 10 people, 100 people, 500 people, God just always sees fit. But this is the key. In, in Calvary Chapel, Pasadena, there's no exception. The more people come, the less people are involved. That's the downside of the church being made up of people. <laughs> But God takes care of it, doesn't he? He's always sufficient for it. How important it is that as believers, we all uh, tell people 
two very simple truths about Jesus. First, that he came, he ascended back to the Father. He came the first time. He's at the right hand of the Father. And second, that he's coming again for his church and then for judgment. Very important. Paul was uh, the Thessalonians only three weeks, and he shared with them about the rapture, about the Antichrist, all kinds of stuff. Listen to what he says in chapter 1 of 1 Thessalonians 8 through 10. He says, For from you the word of the Lord sounded forth, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place your faith towards God has gone out, so that we do not need to say anything. For they themselves declare concerning us what manner of entry we had to you, and how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God, and to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, who delivered us from the wrath to come. Three weeks he was there. These guys were contagious. They were on fire. Paul says, we don't even have to tell anybody about the Lord. You've gotten there before we have. <laughs> the man who wrote Acts was Luke, a man in Christ. A simple man in Christ. Now, secondly, let's look at the message of Acts. The proclamation of Acts is that Jesus had resurrected from the dead. Verse 3 here, chapter 1, tells us, To whom he also presented himself after, uh, alive after, many, after his sufferings with many infallible proofs, being seen by them during 40 days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. And so the proof was not to just a few, but to many. You have Mary Magdalene, the women in the tomb in Matthew 28, he appeared to. He then appeared to the two men on the road to Emmaus in Luke 24. He appeared to the 10, to the 11 in Galilee and other places, the 11, and then to Peter personally in Matthew 28 and in John chapter 20, over and over again. And then Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 15, 5 through 8, that he appeared to 500 at one time. He says, many of them are still alive, but some have fallen asleep. And then he says, and I was last. Of course, this is way down the road. Notice the subject was the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is related to Israel's earthly reign. That is why they asked the questions, will you at this time restore the kingdom? They had the Jewish mind. Now, the church is not the kingdom, but it's part of the overall kingdom of God. The church will not bring in the kingdom, but the church will come back with Jesus to set up the kingdom. You understand? The kingdom of God will be preceded by Israel's repentance and acknowledgement of Jesus as Messiah. This is very clear as we've seen it through the book of Ezekiel. We spent all that time in the prophecies. Um, Romans eleven twenty five through 26, it says, Blindness in part has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentile has come in. The full number of people to be saved. Jesus said, You shall not see me henceforth till you say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. In Matthew 23, 39, he gave Israel up. If you would have known this that day the things that were prepared for you, Luke 21 says, now they're hidden from your eyes. Also, the proclamation of Acts is that Jesus was going to continue the ministry by the Holy Spirit through the apostles. This would include the 12 apostles, the 11 original, and then Matthias, who was chosen by lots, and other apostles, such as Barnabas, uh, such as Paul. So you have the 70, you have the 12, 
and then those after in the book of Acts, three categories of apostles. Pastor Xavier Reese, getting a brand new series in the book of Acts started by reviewing the very beginnings of the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Now, today's Simple Truth study is titled, What Does Acts Tell Us? And copies are available on CD for just $4. And having your own copy is a handy way to study Scripture more in depth and at your own pace, but also a convenient way to pass on to someone else you might know. Now, again, that title, What Does Acts Tell Us? Request yours today by writing, Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And it's important that you include the call letters of this station when you contact us. And use that address to send along any comments of our program to Pastor Xavier as well. Or email your remarks to simpletruths at ccpas.com. Wealthy or poor, healthy or ill, everyone makes the choice whether to struggle in darkness or live in the light. Pastor Xavier Reese with more Simple Truths on Powering Up with the Holy Spirit next time. I hope you'll be back. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com